And I'll add my good morning to that of Art and uh, Patrick and Tom. Good morning. I'm going to be talking to you this morning, because you are believers, about this subject of belief, and it's going to be kind of tough in places. And the reason I want to talk to you about it is because I don't want to see you fall by the wayside. I want to see you faithful to God always and enjoying the things that God has given us in Jesus Christ. This story about Thomas is a story of faith, and and that's what our life is about. It's about faith. We believe. And unless we can really comprehend through the mist of time, back to the time when this was going on, we're not really going to get a grasp of what it means to believe. Basically, Thomas did not believe. He just didn't believe. And Jesus came to him and said, you need to believe and quit doubting. And he he reprimanded him a little bit. He he gave him a little bit of a reprimand. Corrected him a little. He said, "Uh, don't don't doubt, but believe. And then he let let him put his fingers in his wounds in his hand, let him put his hands inside. What's kind of interesting is, that Jesus just appeared among them. Now, a week before, he had appeared to some on the road, a couple on the road, and then he appeared to the whole, all the twelve of them, and they all saw him, they all understood that he had risen from the dead. And here comes Thomas, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'm not going to believe. I will not believe. Unless, and so you know what Thomas did? He set a condition He said, this is the only way I'm going to do it. So Lord, if you want me to believe, you're going to have to do what I ask you to do. And Jesus understood that. Belief, basically, has a commitment to it. It's not just like, I understand something exists. It's not like, well, yes, I believe that Jesus came and died and went on back to heaven, and he died for everybody. It's it's not that. It's something beyond that. These people understood that. Now, that's that's the impression I think we need to, to let soak in today. And that is that it involves, once you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, you have made a tremendous commitment. A commitment. Now, I can tell you that I believe that Chicago exists. And I can tell you that I've seen pictures of it, but I've never been there. But just because I believe that Chicago exists does not mean that I'm a Chicago Cubs fan or that I I pull for the Bears in, in the NFL. That doesn't mean that. If I, if I said I believe in the city and all they stand for, then obviously you'd say, okay, that's a commitment to them. Our commitment is to Jesus Christ in the, in the sense that when we say I believe that He is the Christ, we've made a commitment. And they understood that. And that's why they were reluctant to make that statement. When Jesus appeared the second time, He appeared to the midst of them, He said, 
He said, peace be unto you. What he was saying was, calm down. It's me. That would scare anybody, wouldn't it? You're here in a room and all of a sudden Jesus appears and everybody's startled. He said, calm down. It's me. Be Be at peace. And so he confronted Thomas and Thomas was not willing to believe. He said, I'm not going to believe until I, I see this. I'm, I'm going to make sure that, that uh, you meet my criteria. The first thing that we need to understand with this is that, that everyone knew that when they said, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, I believe in Jesus, is that they, they knew that they had to do something at that point. And so that's why people were reluctant to say, I believe, for instance, that Jesus, when he said, I'm the Son of God, they didn't want to, they didn't want to say that. Because it meant that they then had to do something. Matter of fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, in the first sermon that was preached, after Peter finished his sermon that Jesus was the Christ and that they had crucified him, you know what they said? They said, what do you want us to do? When you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have to say, what do you want me to do? Because it is a commitment. It's a commitment. Once we acknowledge that He's the Christ, it brings upon us grave and serious responsibilities because it involves a relationship with God. Now, this, just, just to demonstrate this, we're going to go back and look at these old guys and see what they did. What was going on in the, old, in the, in the accounts that we have in the uh, New Testament? Different ones popped up and said, I don't believe. I will not believe. And they had different reasons why. And the, the, keep in mind what they're saying is, I will not believe because I do not want the responsibility that comes when I say that I believe. I don't want to go any further than that. I'm not, I do not believe. Why? Because I do not want to commit myself to that. That's what they're saying. Now, early in the, in the ministry of Jesus, he ran across some individuals that, that said, okay, I, here's the condition. If you want me to believe in you, Jesus, you're going to have to show me some signs. Now, this, this is basically what Thomas was saying. If you want me to believe, I'm going to have to see for myself that you actually rose from the dead. And Jesus said, blessed are those who haven't seen this and yet believe. Why? Because they believe in the testimony and they believe in the prophets. They had faith and they were willing to commit to that. Some said, I, give us a sign. If you're, if you're the Lord, and what they were doing was setting a, a condition. If you want me to believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God, give me a sign. What kind of a sign were they looking for? What did they want? Jesus said, you're an adulterous and sinful generation if you seek a sign. Said you can't even tell the you can't even tell whether, what the weather's going to be like, because you see that in the morning you see the sun is dark and lowering, and you you say well it's going to be a good day, and if it's the same at night it's going to be a bad night. He said you you don't believe in signs, so he didn't give them a sign. He said the only sign you're going to get is that of the prophet Jonah. This is Matthew chapter sixteen and, and other texts. So he's he's rebuking them because what they're trying to do is saying. 
here, look, look, Lord, you want me to believe? Show me something good. Show me a sign. Do something. Prove to us that you are who you claim you are. Jesus said unto them, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now we're looking at these old timers. Looking at back at them and we're, we're being critical of them. We're saying, okay, these guys, what, what were they thinking? Here he was, here he was healing the sick. He, he uh, made, turned a blind man into a man who could see. He healed those who couldn't hear. Now they were deaf. Now they could hear. People had arms restored. People that were lame from birth got up and walked around. They said, if you want me to believe, show me a sign. <laughs> what kind of sign do you want? What do you want? They didn't want to believe, basically. They, they were not content with that. And they also said, those who... Those who matter don't believe. They were saying, why should we believe? Because nobody else does. And especially the people that make a difference. Those who, those who make a difference and should be in the know, they don't believe. Why should we believe? In John seven forty eight, they came to Jesus. They actually sent some soldiers to him to bring him back into custody so that they could talk to him. And when the soldiers came back, they said, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't bring him because never man spoke like this before. He, he impressed the soldiers. And they said, what, what's wrong with you guys? They said, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But the people that don't know the law, they are cursed. So the people that meant something didn't believe on him, so why should I believe on him? So here's, here's, here's the statement. I, I'm not going to believe. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to believe. Why should I believe? Let's see if we've got the right thing here. There we are. Those who matter don't believe. Now, the last one that I want to talk to you about is when he got on the cross, when they, they put him on the cross. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, and there, there are three times when Jesus told the apostles that he was going to die on the cross. And in Matthew chapter 16, after he, after he had uh, presented to himself, presented himself to the apostles and asked them who they said they thought he was, and he said, "You're the Christ." That's what Peter said. "You're the Son of the Living God." And Jesus said, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven." And then he went on to tell them that he was going to be betrayed and taken into custody. He was going to be beaten and he was going to be crucified. And Peter jumped up and said, no, that won't happen. That's not going to happen to you, Lord. What Peter was saying was, this doesn't fit my concept of what ought to go on. Now, when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and he was placed, he was placed above the crowd and they looked at him. They said, if you are the Christ, if you are who you claim you are, come down. Get down off the cross. Matthew chapter 15, 32. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified him reviled him also. They said, get off the cross. What were they saying? They were saying, you're going to have to fit my concept of who you ought to be. But you have no business up on the cross. 
And that's what Peter told him. Peter said, this is not, you know what they were saying? We don't believe this is the way it ought to be working. We don't believe that that, uh, our Savior should be on the cross. We don't believe that the King of Israel should be on the cross. They're calling God's judgment into question. Well, they're saying, fulfill our expectations. So now you have four, four situations. You have the, the situation with Thomas, and he said, I'm going to have to save for myself. And a lot of people felt that way then. And uh, we have the fullest are saying, show us a sign, give us a sign. We'll tell you what we want. Then those who matter, they're saying, those, those, the, the smart guys, they don't believe that you're the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. And then, then they're telling Jesus, come on down off the cross, because this isn't the way we have in mind that it ought to be done. Right? So it's easy for us to look back and see the mistakes they made. Isn't that correct? Easy for me to look back and say, hey, these guys missed it. They were wrong. But now then I have to look at my own struggles, my own problems. And that's what I want to look at with you this morning. We're talking about faith. And we're talking about our faith, my faith, your faith, personal faith. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking basically to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about problems that we have in terms of believing in Jesus. Now we can say, I don't believe, I'm not going to believe. We can set the parameters and say, okay, Lord, do this and you got me. But if you don't do this, you don't got me. You see, and now we're, we're, we believe in Jesus Christ, but are we going to stick with it? Are we going to stick with it? Are we going to stay with it? Or are we going to let something kick us off the track? Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now what he had done in chapter 11 was, he listed all of the faithful men and women, or most of them, in the Old Testament and what great faith they had in God. And then he said, now look, these folks are gathered all around you. We're surrounded with these people of faith. Then he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. That's the sin of unbelief, doubt. We just... We stumble. We don't believe in Jesus Christ. Now, Remember, believing in Jesus Christ doesn't mean just, I believe that He lived. I believe that He died. I believe that He's resurrected. That's not what it's talking about. Our belief in Jesus Christ is that we have placed our confidence in Him. And we will do what He tells us to do. And we'll let Him live in us and guide us and direct us in everything we do. Paul said, I'm crucified with him, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Okay. So now then, let's talk about reasons why we don't believe or reasons why we should believe. Why should I believe? When I think about why I believe in Jesus Christ... I sometimes think about who else believes? 
Now, I'm, I'm going to criticize you, but I'm also going to criticize myself. Because these are the things that can tip us over. These are the things that can get us off of the track. And these are the things that can sideline us and keep us from living a full and complete life in Jesus Christ and staying with it until we die. These are problems for us. Because once we believe, now then, what's going to happen? You aren't popular. That I'm talking about the Lord. Lord, you're not popular enough for me. You know, several years ago, over 40 years ago, and we like the idea that we're in, we're in with the in crowd. We like the idea that, that uh, what we're doing and seeing and, and believing in is acceptable. And when we see large crowds in the church parking lot, and we see the bulging crowds inside the building and the people excited and, and, and wanting to, to, to do things for the Lord, it, it energizes us. There's a sense of the feeling of electricity that runs through us. And we think, well, wow, this is great. And we begin to think, well, well, uh, people, people that are somebody believe in Jesus Christ just like I do. But, you know, over 40 years ago, I remember feeling like, uh, you know, there, there ought to be people that are famous folks that believe in Jesus Christ too. And somebody told me that there was a a ball player in the San Francisco area and said, this, this ball player, and he was a good one, he was going to be at church that Sunday where I went to church. Well, and you know what? That building was full that day. Wait a minute. So what I'm saying is, Lord, you're not popular enough to draw that kind of crowd. But if somebody that is popular shows up, the crowd will show up, and it makes me feel better. I, I want to know how many famous people believe that Jesus is the Christ. How many scientists believe that he's, he's the Christ? How many doctors, medical doctors and practitioners, how many athletes believe in Jesus Christ? How many movie and TV personalities? How many public, powerful figures? How many heads of state believe in Jesus Christ? Well, that begins to work on my faith if I'm not careful. What difference does it make? Who else believes that Jesus is the Christ? What difference does it make to my faith? Well, it shouldn't make any difference. What difference does it make who attends where I attend church? So, if you had toned down your statements on hell and sin, Lord, I think it, it would be better. Think we get along better. You know, there's some issues that, that, that are facing us today that haven't faced us before that, uh, that are pretty prominent for us. This idea of, uh, of language, for instance. Filthy, dirty, nasty language. Uh, it, it involves sometimes it, uses, it involves the term hell. We've heard that a lot. But, you know, in the New Testament, the word hell is used 11 times in 11 different situations. Jesus was the one that used it 10 times, 10 out of 11 times. Lord, if you just wouldn't say so much about hell, people, people don't want to believe that there's hell. People say, and we, we begin to think, well, can a merciful good God send us to hell? And we begin to question him. 
I do, don't you? Can God send good people to hell? Then I begin to wonder about it. And you know what I finally have to do to resolve that? I finally have to say, well, God knows better than I know about this business of hell and sin. He knows more than I do about it. I have to trust Him instead of myself. And if it's not popular, I guess it's not popular to talk about that. The word hell is is used... uh, We say, well, we shouldn't use it. We shouldn't talk about it much. But people use it all the time. People tell each other they want to go there. They want them to go there. It's a pretty popular term. But when we use it in the New Testament terms, all of a sudden it's not popular anymore. It's so repugnant that the vast majority of religious leaders of the Christian persuasion, believe it or not, do not believe in hell. They don't believe in hell. The vast majority of those who believe they're Christians, Christian denominations, the vast majority of the leaders, over 80% of them, do not believe in hell. Why? Because it is a disturbing concept, isn't it? Well, Lord, why should I believe? If If you talk about hell, why should I believe? That's a problem for us, isn't it? Is there shame that Jesus used the term to describe the effects of judgment? And how about sin? Is it easier to believe in Jesus if we could just get Him to be quiet about people living together out of wedlock? People want you to be quiet about it. Don't say anything. If people live out of wedlock, that's okay. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says that marriage is... Verse 4, I'm sorry. Marriage is honorable among all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And when we talk about homosexuality today, it's, it's not a popular subject. Matter of fact, we're told that you, 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 shouldn't, you shouldn't say anything about it negative. And if you do, it may be that you'll be sued for it. It may be that you'll end up in a court of law because of it. So, why should, why should we believe if if the Bible is going to talk about, and Jesus is going to talk about, homosexuality being wrong and need, you need to repent of it. Well, the same is true with social drinking and the same is true with, with uh, other immoral activities. So the point is, I'm having trouble with believing that Jesus is the Christ and believing in Him if these issues are before me all the time. So Jesus just tone, tone it down Tone it down and, and don't be so adamant about these issues. You, you see what I'm doing? I'm saying, compromise with me. Here's my condition. I will believe if you will tone that down. I will believe if you won't talk about hell. I will believe if sin is not what you call it to be sin. I'll I'll believe. So my faith is beginning to depend upon whether or not he meets my conditions of what he says is right and wrong. Paul said it, however, another way. He said, uh, we were to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So that's, that's what the New Testament teaches. And it's, it's hard for me to do that unless I actually believe in Jesus Christ. Now the next one. These are the three areas, basically three basic areas, and you're familiar with them. Why should you believe? 
Why should you believe? Well, the reason is, of course, because you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe what the Bible teaches about him. The next one is maybe a little bit tougher. Lord, if you will do me a favor, I will believe. Do me a favor. Now, you know, we're not asking for miracles. None of us generally ask for miracles. First, we want God and Jesus to never let anything bad happen to me or my family. Make sure that everything goes smoothly for us. We don't want anything, any tragic, any tragedy in our family. And if, if it happens, if I get in trouble or some of my family members get in trouble, I want your immediate and swift attention. I want you to come running when I get in trouble. I may not attend church all the time. I may not read my Bible right. I may not talk about the Lord to others, and I may use bad language, and I may do these other things you're talking about, but when I get in trouble, I want you there. When I lift up my voice in prayer, I want you to hear it. I want you to bend your ear and listen to what I'm asking you for. I'm very sensitive, Lord, and I can get depressed easily if my situation goes south on me. That's what, I'm telling you, that's how we feel. Lord, if you don't do it right for me, if you don't respond to me, I, I, may, not, I may not go back to church. I may quit. I, I, may, I just may go off somewhere and, and not even think about you anymore. If you don't do what I ask you to do, make sure you keep me upbeat. I want a 9-11 number. A 911 number. So when I call, I want to be able to reach you 24-7. And I don't want a busy signal. I want you to answer my prayers. And what happens if he doesn't? Think with me, please. What happens when it doesn't work out the way we think it should? Do we lose our faith? Listen carefully, friends. Because this is a major issue. This is a major issue with us. It's a major wish issue with us personally. Lord, we want you to answer our prayers and we want it exactly in the manner in which I want them answered. I want it to come out the way I think it should. That's what I want. And don't ever let me suffer disappointment in life or I may quit you. Now I'm going to give you an example and this is a tough one. People are going to die. People are going to get sick. People are going to have tragic accidents. Even members of our family. Even us. This is going to happen. Does Jesus care? Well, does He? Amen? You're sure He cares. Is He going to leap in and stop that from happening? Just to make sure that you don't quit Him? In the book of, of uh, Luke, and in chapter 11, Jesus had made friends with a little family, two, two sisters and a brother, a little family in Bethany, a little town called Bethany, Ma Mary and Martha and Lazarus, friends of his, close friends apparently. Lazarus got sick. Jesus wasn't there. 
They got word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick and they wanted him to come immediately and take care of our brother Lazarus. He's sick. You know what Jesus did? He did not go. Now what would happen to you if one of your family members got sick and you asked the Lord, Lord, don't let them die. You know what happened? He died. Lazarus died. And when Jesus came on the scene, he got to Bethany. Martha took off and she, before he got to town, Martha got out there and got to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why didn't you get here and take care of me and my brother? Mary didn't even get out of the house. She was so upset she didn't even go. She just stayed at home, stayed, stayed at the house. When Jesus came through, then Mary came along and she said the same thing. But I'll tell you what Jesus said to Martha. When Martha came to him and said, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what she was doing? She's reprimanding him. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall not die. He that liveth and believeth in me shall, well, shall not die, basically. And she said, Lord, I, I believe in the resurrection. What Jesus was telling her was, I'm going to take care of him in the after a while. He may die now, but he'll live forever. That's the answer he gave her. And she said, Lord, I, I believe he'll, he'll live in the resurrection. She said, I, I believe that. So Jesus went ahead and you know what? This is the first time we, and the only time we see in his life that he actually was really upset inside. Every, two or three times it says he groaned when they said those things to him. He said he groaned. And then he got out to the grave and he cried. Not because Lazarus was dead. He knew he was going to raise him. But he groaned because people had lost their faith in him. Now, somebody gets sick in our family. Lord, we say, we're going to pray to you. And here's how we want it handled. We want you to heal them. We don't want them to die. I'll tell you what. We don't want them to die. We do not. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that, liveth in, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's what Jesus says to us. It may happen. So, maybe are we holding him hostage and saying, if you don't do this for me, I can't believe in you. Okay, the last one. Lord, I'm going to believe in you, but don't expect too much from me. Just don't expect too much. I may be able to work in maybe an hour a week for you. Am I hitting close to home here? I may be able to get an hour a week for you. But you, I've only got 168 of those things during the week. But I can give you one maybe. Don't expect too much of me. I'm busy, and I have other responsibilities. 
I'll try to squeeze you in, but I've got a life outside of church. I've got a life outside of this. And by the way, Lord, you think this is all about you? Look at it. Listen to me. If we think that He expects too much out of us, and we get very sensitive about this thing, and we say this isn't all about you, then what we're saying is, you're unreasonable in your expectations of me. I'll, I want my reward, but don't expect me to put in too much time and effort to get it. Well, you know what? I, this hasn't been a pleasant discussion, has it? <laughs> but did, did I hit you anywhere? I hit myself several places. Did I get you anywhere? The, the next question I want to ask, and this thing I want to get to is, what if I don't believe? What if I don't believe? That's a question that Paul addresses. There, there are plenty of those who don't believe. Or there are plenty of those around him that don't didn't believe. And he said, "Well, what if those? What he said? What what if some did not believe?" In Romans chapter three, verse three and four, he said, "What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Will will our lack of faith change God? It won't, will it? It will not change him. You know who has to change?" me. I have to change. Now, I'm, I may say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do different, Lord. I, I'm not going to ask you for un, unreasonable favors. I'm going to, as a matter of fact, Lord, I'm just going to take whatever you give me. I don't care whether, I, I don't care whether it's just a small dribbling bunch of us meeting and, and trying to worship you. I don't care about that because you said few there are to be saved and yeah, that's, we're sure few. He said, I, I'm not going to worry about that, Lord. And I, I'm not going to ask you to do any, any great favors. I'm just going to accept that you know what's best. And when I put everything in your hands, I'm going to say, I'll take what you give me. And I'll look forward to the time that after I resurrect you and I'll be together. I'll do that. And I'll give you all the time that I can. I want my time to be your time. I'm yours, Lord. I'm your servant. You're not mine. I'm your servant. I'll do all this. But the question is, what if some do not believe? Well, if I don't believe, the world's not going to get any better if I don't believe. Isn't that right? My family's not going to improve if I don't believe. My life is not going to be any better if I don't believe. What if I don't believe? God is going to be true. Let God be true and every man a liar. He is going to remain stable and He will do exactly what he said he's going to do. He really will. If I change, good. If I don't, it's not going to change him. It's going to be the same. You may make a decision. You may say, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be stronger in the Lord. You may do it now. You may do it later. I just encourage you to do it when you can and should in your relationship with God. Let's stand and sing a, a final song together.